0: Get ready, it's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman.
1: That's me. Howdy, guys, and welcome to another two hours of Motorsports Conversation Live, whether you're listening on Spreaker or on the Performance Motorsports Network. This is Motorsports Madness, and we're going to have some fun, because there was a lot of racing over the weekend and into Monday because Mother Nature didn't play nice, and well, all of us as race fans have started to get used to that after about three months' worth. My name's Jacob Seelman. If you have never listened to this show, I'm sorry for you because we have a lot of fun here. I am joined inside the Race City USA PMN studios here in Mooresville, North Carolina, by Tom Baker, the manager of Race Chaser Media and all of its unsundry duties and properties and all those fun little things, and via the Race Chaser Skype line, we also have dr dirt steve Evans, and cisco scaramuza and literally about two and a half hours ago tom we wrapped up the rain postponed second half of the food city 500 from bristol motor speedway and well <laughs> as if we should really be surprised at this point kyle bush picks up his 21st bristol win across nascar's three national series but wait what makes this one fun is not the fact that kyle won it's the fact that the old bristol was back and he used the bump
2: and run to do it it rained it sleeted it snowed and in victory lane there was a rainbow kyle bush picking up the win yeah it's you know i mean these guys I, My impression of the, this race was probably the most exciting Bristol race I've seen in the last at least half dozen years. Lots of storylines in this one, lots of comers and goers, uh, lots of meteorological mayhem, you know, and uh, at the end, the outcome is pretty much the same. Kyle Busch won anyway, but it was really, it, it actually, I thought it was a great race. I mean, I really enjoyed it. You had you know several cars right down to the end that um, had opportunities to win the race and you had a couple of drivers uh, Bubba Wallace being one of them that I thought really showed tremendous uh, career career days in the Cup Series Uh, though the result wasn't what Bubba wanted. The car basically went from uh, the lead to evil in about uh, three or four laps but at the end of the race but he was really i thought uh one of the guys that stood out in this one and did a great job there was i think bubba wallace ricky stenhouse uh paul menard for a while you know i think um this was this was a great finish to a great race today and uh, it was just a shame that ryan blaney wasn't around at the end to figure in because i think he surely would have had something to say about who won this race
1: absolutely i believe he would have for those who may not have paid attention or were living under a rock for the last 26 hours cisco scaramuzza we started this race on sunday we had about three separate rain delays before nascar put the first 204 laps of this race, out of their misery, and decided to come back on Monday and try it again. (laughs) We had another rain delay on Monday. And yet, after, I think, 14 cautions officially for triple-digit laps and chaos and mass confusion, we finally got to the prescribed distance Are you pleased that NASCAR fought and fought and fought and we finally got to lap 500 in all of this?
3: Who are you asking me as? As a fan who wanted to be there or as a driver who's happy who they're leaving the track at this point?
1: I was going to say option C as a media member on this show, but I guess from a fan standpoint too. too. um,
3: As a media member on this show, yeah, I'm okay with them getting it done now. You know, ultimately, it's a case where there was really no right answer to it. This seemed to be the best way it worked, and NASCAR did the best they could, but... There are just some weekends, Jacob, where the weather just does not want to cooperate, and this was about as close as we got to it. The only thing that could have made it worse is if it did flat, just snow everywhere.
2: This was the right answer. There's only one right answer. You finish the prescribed distance. If at all possible, you finish the prescribed distance. I commend NASCAR. I commend the folks at Bristol Motor Speedway, and I commend the fans that were able to stick around for doing so because, honestly, Jacob, I i think it's a credit to nascar and to the teams and all everybody involved that they were able to to get the prescribed distance in today and you know that way there's you know again there's no asterisk it, it didn't we, it went the full distance and kyle bush won end of story end of story
1: well okay not exactly dr dirt steve ovens welcome back to the round table sir I will ask you about what Cisco brought up a minute ago, because when this race started on Sunday, early on, though Kyle Busch won the pole, he was not the dominant car. The car that drove to the front and parked himself in the number one position for 100 of the first 118 laps was the Penske Ford of Ryan Blaney, who arguably may well have left the field in his dust if not for a multi-car spin in turn three on lap 118 while he was leading harrison rhodes washes up after blaney had already committed to the top side to avoid and kaboom it all comes crashing down in a heap your thoughts i mean blaney's dejection after the race to me on sunday was visible palpable everything you could feel even from where I was inside the media center, he said that that was the best short track car he felt he had ever had. And to see it all go away like that, to me, that hurt.
4: It did. And you you felt the breath get knocked out of all of the younger race fans that have, have jumped onto the NASCAR bandwagon with drivers like Ryan Blaney, who you know, has really injected this sport with youth and embracing, you know, technology and and making himself available to fans and things like that. That whole crowd just went, oh, you got to be kidding me. I mean, and guys, think about this, Jacob, think about where Ryan Blaney could be if it weren't for unfortunate incidents like this that have happened a couple times here this season already We could be talking about a guy that, you know, could be leading the points as well as that car has ran at times. They just don't have all of the finishes to show for how well they have run. And I true, I do believe that, you know, it was shocking to see how far the 18 moved back early on. I mean, I was really surprised by that. I I really thought that, um, you know, boy, Kyle Busch doesn't have that dominant car here today, but boy, Ryan Blaney sure showed up with the dominant car.
1: Ryan Blaney sure showed up with the dominant car, and we won't ever know what he could have done with it during the Monday portion of this race because he was not able to restart and take part in the Monday portion of that race. Kyle Larson, however, Steve-O, was the dominant car. For much of Monday's race, he leads more than 200 laps for the second straight spring race at Bristol. What does he have to show for it? Absolutely jack squat.
4: Another second
2: place finish is what he has to show. Which, for us. by the way, is a lot more than Jack's squat. Uh, I'm sorry, out.
1: but winning means everything in this format. If you don't win, you get forgotten about. Well, it. as far as ha- I'm concerned, before Kyle you get Larson's all off get on a big about.
2: tangent, Kevin Harvick has won how many times this year? Three Four? times. Three? Three? Okay. Kyle Busch was leading the points without winning a race. So, so yeah, winning means a lot. But second means pretty a pretty good bit, too. Just saying.
1: All right, Steve. After that momentary interruption, I'll go back to my point here. What do we have to do to get this kid into victory lane again? <laughs> well, we need, we need a car that will tighten up
4: as the run goes on here in a 25-lap feature event. That's what we need. Uh, he just was so loose on that last run. And, and I think his comments after the race, you know, just eg- exactly described what we were seeing as it was happening. You know, he had a fast car, but that car was just so loose on that final run that he just couldn't get to the gas as quick as he needed to and have the car stick, Cisco. I mean, this car, you know, Kyle, for the problem that he had, let's not forget that late in the race, the problems that he had. To come back from that, lead the race, and have a legitimate chance to win, that was pretty impressive for Kyle Larson today.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll slightly disagree with Jacob because Kyle Larson did have another thing leaving Bristol, and it was a red mark on the rear bumper of his car as well. Oh? Well, yeah, there was a a bump and run that may have allegedly happened at one point. I
1: did mention that off the top, didn't I? Yes, I did. Steve?
4: Well, I, you guys are bringing up the bump and run, and and honestly, guys, that's a huge takeaway for yes. me. This race felt like, and and I, uh, I just, there's a lot of things that I I don't like to look in the past of how racing used to be. But guys, this race was how it used to be at Bristol. I loved it. I yeah, loved it, was it too. An,
3: it was an awesome race, dude. It this is. Lobani Earnhardt's type stuff. You know, this is the bump in the corner. Move the guy up the racetrack.
2: It's short track racing. Yes, yes That's exactly. what it's
1: supposed yes. to be. It's short track racing. My two cents, both the Saturday Xfinity race and the Sunday slash Monday cup race, both of those were <laughs> Bristol hours. As it used to be. This was old Bristol. It was back. And you know what's funny? Kyle Busch won the race with a bump and run of Kyle Larson, who on Saturday after the Xfinity race, was the most outspoken person in the garage area against how good that Xfinity race was because it was around the bottom and you had to move people out of the way in order to actually make a pass. As Spencer Gallagher put it in the post-race press conference, Kyle Larson hates bottom groove racetracks more at six.
2: Well, I mean, if we're being fair about it, I see where he's coming from because it was basically a one-groove track. But welcome to Bristol. That's what Bristol always was. Only when we made it a real race track with two grooves where you could actually run the top did everybody start complaining about it. I mean, everybody wants the track tack or sticky stuff or whatever you call it wants all wants that gone but in reality that's what made this track back into the bristol that we're used to seeing if you eliminate that you're going to go right back to a track that is not a bump and run track again and that's um you know it's look it, 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 you, you can't have it both ways you either want the excitement and the drama of the bump and run or you don't uh, kyle apparently doesn't But then again, if Kyle could have moved Kyle Busch with a lap to go and won the race,
4: he would have done it in a heartbeat. So
2: I think we could just leave it right there.
1: We're going to take a break. When we come back, black flags, checkered flags, and the haves and have-nots leaving Thunder Valley. You're listening to Motorsports Madness. We are live on Spreaker and on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. We'll be back after this.
5: That's 302-827-2054. Louis Meineke Car Care Center, rev up your career.
3: I'm Kaz Grawlin. you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network.
1: I'm going to go ahead and mention that though he is not the recipient of one of the checkered flags I'm going to give away in this segment, Kaz Grala gets an honorable mention for the save that he made during Saturday's NASCAR Xfinity Series race when he spun out, kept it off the wall for the most part, and, well somehow didn't get nailed by half the
2: field Tom that was impressive yeah it was but unfortunately not a good result for Kaz at Bristol I felt bad for him Uh, hopefully better days ahead here for that young man and a team that I really believe has the chance to be a real factor as we get further into the season I believe we are all hoping
1: for that this is going to be our black flag checkered flag segment we're going to go around the table for a it. Start off with our black flags and only our black flags from the cup race. So we'll go black flags from the cup race, then checkered flags from the cup race, and then lather, rinse, repeat for the Xfinity race. Does everybody follow? Is there any confusion?
2: Yeah, but go ahead anyway. Whatever. I just, I'm always confused.
1: Yeah, you are always confused. Okay. It's a natural state.
2: I'm going to start, then we'll go to
1: Steve, then Cisco, and then Tom. My black flag from the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series race goes to Mother Nature. (laughs) This (laughs) just, (laughs) it sucks. I'm sorry. We had three red flags for rain on Sunday. We had two more extended yellows for wintry mix on monday somehow we got to 500 laps and this is the second time in the last three races that frozen precipitation has been involved ma nature can you please let us be race fans for a bit and stop doing all this crap thanks bye steve what have you got
4: well, I, I could tell you, Jacob, there's a lot of fans up here in the Northeast that are saying the same damn
1: thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not just in the Northeast, you, Steve, in, the across country, the country.
4: Really. Yeah. <laughs> um, my black flag, and, and you know, part of my black flag goes back to uh, the, the video piece that shows all the in-car uh, audio from the previous week's race. I'm giving my black flag to the six-car. Because last week, Trevor Bain called a bunch of drivers racing around him ARCA drivers that ran over top of him. And I got to tell you, you want to call out guys looking like ARCA drivers on the radio? Son, you got to eat crow between yesterday and today. That six car did not look good. Uh, Not a good day for the six team. And I'm not going to say not a good day for Roush Fenway because we saw how strong the 17 was. But that six car... Not so
1: much. Not so much at all. Cisco. Oh, by the way, I'll add to Bane real fast. When you become the butt of a joke from NASCAR Chasm that there were rain delays and Bane delays, (laughs) you're doing something wrong.
2: Yes.
3: Well... Steve took my black flag, so I had to come up with one on the fly. I was going to hop on, and I, I i had this whole rant planned out, so I'll just go down it. So let's just say for the moment, Steve didn't say the six car. Trevor, look, bud, buddy, 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 Trevor, I want to like you so much after 2011. I really do, but you're making it really hard. So please just get some, I don't know... Just fix it, man. Just drive not over your head, please. Thank you. Bye. Love, NASCAR.
1: Wow.
2: Dang. Tom.
1: (laughs) Goodness. Well, (laughs) how do you follow that?
2: You don't. You took mine, and I'm going to just agree with you. Dear Mother Nature. Get introduced to the feminine aisle at CVS drugstore, okay? Thanks. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't have really any. There were, there were a few drivers that I could easily black flag, and unfortunately, Trevor was one of them. I mean, but yeah, it's Bristol, and I think even some of the top guys had their moments. Um, you know, there were a couple of drivers who spun pretty much by themselves during this race. So, you know, it is what it is. It was a tough weather yeah. weekend, and. Um, this is what you get when you go short track racing.
1: All right. Checkered flags from the Cup Series race. I will start, and I will officially say, Steve-O, eat crow for a week. My checkered flag goes to Hendrick Motorsports, <laughs> Jimmy Johnson, and Alex Bowman. Done some good today. Third and fifth is way in the right direction. Chevrolet as a whole looked a whole lot better, but the 48 and the 88 were on it. And there were times when I legitimately thought Jimmy Johnson was going to contend to win this race. They're moving in the right direction. Bristol was a great step, Cisco. I thought you were going
3: to Steve. You said Steve, and then you said Steve. I, I
4: told Steve to yeah. eat
1: crow. You're next
3: oh, to okay. he was,
2: He was making the comment. Basically, what he was saying is that Steve's dumpster fire ran as yes. high as second. That's yes. That's what he was saying. And I
3: agree, but yeah. we're now breaking your own rule, Jacob, and you went out of order because I'm after Steve.
2: Well, it's Jacob's Whatever. show. He can change the order <laughs> at any time. It's, it's okay. that little dot at the end so, of the rule So
3: book. I agree. I'll go with Jimmy, and my checkered flag is going to go – because he needs something. He really needs something after that race. Ryan Blaney, here, have a checkered flag from our radio show. Just please, just don't don't be too depressed. There is nothing you could really do. It was exactly what happened to Jimmy last week at Texas. Just, you know, it, it sucks.
1: Ryan it just sucks. needs a checkered flag because he came home to a tree down in his front yard. So, Oh, geez. Yeah, that was on Twitter. <laughs> that weekend couldn't
3: have
2: gone much worse couldn't have no. yes it could We could have been went through his house
4: Steve-O. always a way it could be worse <laughs> all right i i need to i need a rebuttal here because okay. okay hms when when you finish third and fifth at a mile and a half come talk to me you know it's bristol guys let's let's not let's not get crazy here um and and look at how many good cars we're wrecked out of this race before we even got to Monday, so let let's not go crazy here. But yes, obviously a a a move in the right direction. My checkered flag goes to a guy who didn't have a great day, just like Cisco, a guy that needs something out of Bristol, and that's Martin Truex Jr. <laughs> yeah. He wrecked a race car yesterday, had to stay in Bristol overnight. And then come back on Monday to drive a wrecked race car the rest of the way home. I mean, son, you want to talk about a bad day? Yeah. I mean, if it weren't for sponsors, well, MTJ I, I give would Martin credit for even today. showing
1: up to race today. Honestly. I
4: mean, he needs a checkered flag for showing up. You're yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: Tom, Colfer, I have a feeling I know where you're going Colfer. with yours because I think we discussed it before the start of the show.
4: Well,
2: I <laughs> first of all, I just want to make the personal note that I think Truex probably... Enjoyed driving that race car today because, of course, he does have a background. His family, anyway, racing modifieds, and that's basically what that car ended he, up. He was oh, the only guy that could see yeah. his front wheel. Yeah, he turned that car turned into a modified, so he he got to race a modified in Bristol. Um, <laughs> my my checkered flag. I'm actually kind of torn here, so I'm going to make this a tie because I do have a right not to choose. Between Bubba Wallace and Ricky Stenhouse, those two wow, guys... not
1: where I thought you were going with that. Those
2: two guys absolutely showed me that they can flat drive a race car on a short track. Bubba came from nowhere to the lead at one point, And then just as quickly, unfortunately, the car turned evil on him and he went from the lead to a lap down. And Stenhouse drove through the field in similar fashion. I really... I have to tip my cap to both of these guys. Uh, And I will also agree with Steve on his point that while I was happy to see the 48, the 88 up front, until we get to Kansas in uh, a couple of weeks and see what's going on over there, uh, I'm not going to do any celebrating for whether or not Hendrick Motorsports is back. Though, uh, as I know you said, Jacob, uh, Chevrolet in general had a pretty good day today, or yes, at least they did. in performance, if not so much result.
1: Yes. Honorable mention on the checkered flag category, which is where I thought Tom was originally going. But since he did it, I'll mention it. Shout out to Landon Castle and Starcom Racing for a top 20 in Bristol on right side tires that went 125 laps at the end of that race.
2: Absolutely. That was... That was a banner day. Somebody please give that boy a competitive race car to drive because I think he proved that uh, he's more than capable of it. Yes. Oh,
1: my gosh. Absolutely. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We all like to talk too much, so we burned basically an entire segment here. We're going to come back after a break, talk about the Xfinity Series, and lump our black and checkered flags for that race into that segment after this business for you you're listening to motorsports madness live on spreaker and on pmn the performance motorsports
2: network hms motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety hms serves the majority of monster energy nascar cup xfinity camping world truck indycar and imsa WeatherTech teams as well as countless scca and club level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout north america
3: Hi, I'm Chase Cabry, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now, back to the show.
1: I'm glad Chase brought us back from break, but he's under the category of guys on Saturday in the NASCAR k and Pro Series East Race who had a forgettable day. At Bristol, unfortunately, Chase going to be hoping to rebound during the next K&N East race on the schedule in a couple weeks at Langley, and that's a subject that uh, we will talk much more about Later in the week on Spreaker and PMN when the Stock Car Show hits the airwaves and we talk about all things short track racing. Right now you're listening to Motorsports Madness, Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Steve Ovens and Cisco Scaramuza. We're going to talk about the NASCAR Xfinity Series and we're going to talk about, once again, the driver who came from the short tracks of Northeastern America, who bet on himself, Cisco, and who I would argue absolutely unequivocally won that bet after Saturday's NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Bristol. Ryan Priest is the modern-day example of why Never Give Up applies in motorsports. He took out loans. He borrowed money. He gutted away to Joe Gibbs Racing for a couple races last year. It paid off. He has now won again for JGR. He scored a hundred thousand bucks in bonus money, and all that money he borrowed, he's debt free as of this morning. How great is this story? Why does he not have
3: a full time ride in Xfinity? Why is that not
1: a thing? It's going to be a thing if he keeps doing
3: what he's doing. It's it like, make it a thing, please. This is
4: <laughs> Steve. <laughs>
3: Go, can I can go. I tell you,
4: Cisco? Do you want me to sing yes, it? Because I'll sing it. Money, 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 <laughs> money.
3: There you go. But please, wow. please give Ryan Priest a full time car. And apparently, that insulted Tom. That uh, impression.
2: <laughs> Steve just killed every cat in the vicinity. Wow. Whoo! That is not American Idol worthy. But keep trying. Um, but. That's exactly right. It's not it's, American Idol worthy, but it's good enough it is, for PMN. It, it, yes, <laughs> yeah. it, it's also accurate too. Um, I, I it's it's just money, and why he hasn't gotten a sponsor or a funded ride yet, I have no idea. Well, part of the problem is that Joe Gibbs Racing just has too many doggone drivers. That I mean, you know why. This comes right back to, again, a pet peeve I've had for years. And my whole deal with the Xfinity race was this was a great race because there were no cup guys in it. If Joe Gibbs would take the cup guys out of the Xfinity series, Ryan Priest could have a full-time ride, and then he'd he'd have a shot at the championship, as it is right now. They've got Paul Menard and Chris Bell, and... (laughs) Neither of those two guys are setting the world on fire, though. Um, not Paul Menard. I'm sorry. Brandon Jones. Neither of those two guys are setting the world on fire.
1: Let's be but, fair, by the way, while we're th- while, while you've mentioned the two, uh, Brandon Jones kind of compares to Paul Menard. Both of them are quiet. Paul just has a better beard.
3: And do you know what car uh, Brandon <laughs> Jones was driving?
2: Well, that, that was, Menard's car. Yes, that was. It was. <laughs> that one's debatable, but... No, look, I mean, Brandon had a good run yesterday, a very good run. But at the end of the day, I mean, cup guys in the Xfinity Series are a big part of the reason why some of these guys like Ryan Priest cannot get full season rides that are sponsored. Because, you know, for some reason, we still insist on letting these cup guys moonlight down in the uh, lower series. And the racing's actually better without them, as was proved again on Saturday
1: absolutely Steve when you look at guys like Justin Allgaier when you look at guys like Elliot Sadler both of them went for spins in the first half of this race both of them came back to top five finishes when you look at a guy like Brandon Jones who dominated the second half of that race and as his teammate said would have won it if not for a late race caution when you look at guys like Shane Lee who performed outstandingly yes, he he really in the rich Childress yep, three car. Sure did. When you look at a guy like Spencer Gallagher, who was in tears just about when I talked to him on pit road after the Xfinity race on Saturday at a top five finish and a shot to race for a hundred grand next week at Richmond, uh, these are the kind of stories this series ought to be made of. And Saturday finally made it a reality. Why? Why can't we have more of this? Well.
4: Uh, <laughs> I don't want to sing again, but you know what <laughs> no, I'm going to say. No, that's
2: actually, it's, see, I'll disagree if you think that money is why the, the Cup guys are still racing Xfinity. No,
1: NASCAR is the reason yeah. Cup guys are still racing Xfinity right. because NASCAR Tom, lets them. it is
2: money. It's it is not. Money. No, it isn't. Well, then why do we have a full field yesterday or Saturday? If it's money, why was there a full field on Saturday? I'm telling you, it, Jacob's right. NASCAR's the reason. NASCAR is just refusing to see the truth here. Number one, their demographics in terms of attendance don't drop at all when there's no cup guys. Number two, I mean, all of these arguments are just ridiculous. All NASCAR has got to do is say, that's it, done. Once you've won a cup race, you're out. That's it.
4: Tom, did you just say that the crowd size is the same for an Xfinity race as it is for a Cup race?
2: At, no, no. I said whether the Cup guys are in the Xfinity race or not, the crowd is exactly the same. Awful. And I, I, I disagree. And I, I say, disagree. You, well, then prove it to me. Show me it some may, stats. It, <laughs> because let me tell you, on Saturday, I thought, given the fact that we had an absolutely horrible weather weekend to speak of and everybody knew it was coming Sunday, Saturday's crowd looked like it was halfway kind of decent. But the Xfinity crowds have been awful, and the ratings have been awful for the last three or four years, and it makes no difference what track it is. The bottom line is that that the fans, if you watch social media, overwhelmingly are supporting the idea of pulling the cup guys out and letting the Xfinity guys run. And even Regan Smith said after Saturday... I have always been on the fence, but you know, it was pretty obvious. I mean, it was a great race and when you get the cup guys in, I'll put it to you this way. You put the cup you put a cup guy in the 22. Ryan Priest does not win that race. Period. Not happening. That car would have walked.
1: Thank you. Correct. Now, We're going to go black flag, checkered flag here, and just to save a little bit of time by cutting a rotation, I'll let you guys give both of them at once this time. I will start my black flag for the NASCAR Xfinity Series race, (laughs) much like Austin Sindrick, I'm sure, is for Tyler Reddick. Because Redick basically stuffed Cindric yeah. into the fence on the last lap, and yeah. I was really kind of bummed at that because Austin was having a great day. Tyler, 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 buddy. Come on, man. He he lost his brakes. He <laughs> <laughs> had a brake problem. He lost something. I'm not sure <laughs> if it was brakes or a couple of brain cells. Sorry, Tyler. Just Ouch. kidding. Awesome. <laughs> he, he lost his sanity for a minute. There we go. How, how's that? Okay. Just, just, yeah. Checkered flag, on the other hand, I mean, I'm taking Ryan Priest out of the equation because that's obvious here, quite frankly, but my checkered flag is Brandon Jones. He had a career day. He led more laps in one NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Bristol than he had led in every other Xfinity race that he had ever run combined. This kid, since joining Joe Gibbs Racing, has proven he can win and be a contender. Look for Brandon Jones to have a win in the next couple of weeks, maybe even Friday night at Richmond. Just saying. Steve O.
4: I'll start with my checkered flag, and my checkered flag is going to go to Daniel Hemrick. Um, I thought about him after the race on Saturday, and I thought, guys. I I can't imagine the pressure that he feels driving that car with, with sponsorship from the South point, because, you know, that's, that is the best opportunity he's had to date with a sponsor that's backing him and, and a sponsor that, you know, could have, you know, kind of rolled down their sleeves and said, well, you know, Brendan's not in the series anymore. So, you know, we don't need to, continue to support the series as we do. So I think there's a little bit of pressure there for him, and he's he's proven that it's not affecting him at all. Uh, so Daniel Hemrick is my checkered flag. My black flag goes to the Xfinity Series officiating crew. I mean, they talk about, you know, muffing up the post-race inspection. Yeah. I mean, we had confusion. We had cars deemed illegal. Yeah, and then we came mine. back the next day and said, oh, Sorry, my bad. We forgot to read the rules during post race inspection.
2: Come on, Wayne, and
4: I love you, brother, but come on.
2: Yeah, I, I, uh, I think your dumpster fire transferred from Hendrick Motorsports to, uh, to to NASCAR's Xfinity officiating crew post race because that was absolutely a disaster. To to come back out and say, well, it didn't quite rise to the level. Of a P1.
1: Okay, so I, I want to add to this, Tom. The wording that they used was terrible when they retracted that penalty. They It should never have been a penalty in the first place. The way the rule is written, it was not a penalty. That's correct. It never was a penalty. This is
2: my point. Uh, you know, you, you've got to be better than this. You get on the teams for not passing inspection pre-raise, and then you you completely mess up a post race and have a driver thinking that he you know he was in the dash for cash then he was out then he's back in again you know we got to do better than this so i agree steve i'll I'll give it back to you in a second here my black flag definitely to nascar's crew for that my checkered flag since ryan priest actually got one um i'm i'm again calling a tie here because i'm really really torn First of all, nobody's mentioned Ross Chastain. All, top 10. All Ross Chastain did was get another top 10 finish for JD Motorsports, okay? This is a car and a team that is not supposed to be running in the top 10. But there he was, running in the top 10. And But I'm torn because I also want to really give some props to Shane Lee, who we mentioned earlier, Here's a kid who comes up to the Xfinity series with no previous series experience, jumps in the three car and looks like he's been racing it for years, ran top five for a good bit of the race. I, can't, I don't know if he had a tire issue or whatever at the end, but I don't remember um, exactly what he fell had back to. to he, ended up in,
1: he ended up in the wall. He was yeah, the last caution. I
2: think it was. I think it was tire. But, yeah. um, gosh, he did a great job. So, Steve. That's my black flag, in checker, but I agree 100% with you. That was e- egregious after the race.
1: Okay, Tom, since you jumped over Cisco.
2: Oh, sorry. Steve
1: had a, no, you're another good, point you're
3: to good. make. I'm going to start out with my black flag, and I'm giving my black flag to Chris Bell's brake pedal. Because that (laughs) didn't work at all. He just came in like a bullet and just absolutely just flew into the wreck. It didn't
2: work. Now, hang on, Cisco. Let's come out. To be fair, he slid into the wreck. And the closure rate at Bristol is ridiculously high. I don't think there's anything Christopher Bell could have done about that. No, there wasn't wasn't anything he could have done. Even if he
1: had brakes, he was destined (laughs) to be in that wreck. That's not...
2: (laughs) I, I call a black flag on that black flag. Okay, so so maybe <laughs> maybe it's just
3: the track being too slick. Well black flag <laughs> bristle for that one. I don't know. Either way, my checkered flag goes to another driver that needs to get an absolute a boy, and it's Alex LeBay, finished eleventh in the Mario Gossip yes, car or in the Can Am car I agree. after being in a wreck. Too. Yes. Good he, for him. Awesome. The team that needed job, that
2: Alex.
5: Yeah.
1: Speaking of checkered flags and guys coming back from being in a wreck, how about Chase Briscoe leading laps after his front end was basically torn off at lap 3?
2: Yeah, really. That's there again, you're right. I that could easily be a checkered flag as well. In the 98
1: he did he did that 98 car proud on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, I would agree.
2: I've, and and it, and it shows that he belongs at that level.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Uh, Kevin Harvick walked up to him afterwards and I I was there with Chase behind the pit wall and he was war slap out. That race was (laughs) tough for those guys on Saturday. Harvick walks up to Briscoe, looks at the car, shakes his head, and goes, Damn, this was
2: destruction. (laughs) Well, at least that car, anyway.
1: Yeah, well, that was half the field, Yeah. and then it was the entire K&N race. But again, we'll get to that later in the week. We're going to step aside. When we return, we're going to the open-wheel side of life for a while because— Oh, my goodness. You want to talk about Wild? Was there ever stuff to talk about? You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and we roll on after this on PMN The Performance, Motorsports Network, and Spreaker. Okay,
4: so, Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's? Yep. And, Josh, you're going to?
1: Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice.
4: Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts.
1: What? No!
4: Yep and my dorky dad
1: hat, and I'm going
4: to do my dad dance for all your friends.
1: They'll love it! Seriously? Why?
4: Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time.
5: It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of... persuasion.
1: Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled!
3: Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time.
6: What, what? No! no!
5: Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less,
0: at what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
6: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
0: Let's throw the green for Open Wheel Central on Motorsports Madness. Now back to the round table and Jacob Seelman. Oh, hey, we're back
1: here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. You're listening to Motorsports Madness. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, and Steve Ovens. As we talk all things racing and shift to where, like Martin Truex could earlier today, you can see the front wheels as we talk open wheel racing. And Cisco, I know that I'm saving the more exciting of the two for second because, well, quite frankly, I want to build up the excitement and the tension for a few minutes. But the IndyCar Grand Prix of Long Beach on Sunday was, well, pretty good too. It was not a good fight for the lead because, well. Alex Rossi wins, lol. Yeah. <laughs> that car was. That wasn't even fast. close. That was not even close. That car was on its own continent. On on Sunday, he was gone, and unless somebody took that car and, like, pulled the wheels off of it, he was going to win that race by a country mile. Just saying.
3: When you can run the conservative pit strategy and still lead by as much as he did, just just give the engineers a gold star and move on to next week because there was no touching that car. And even towards the end when Will got little bit close. Will Power was closing up. Rossi was able to use the push to pass to his advantage and figured out the best way to use it. And like Will talked about in his post-race interview, you know, now that we're in this timed version of it, not the you only get 10 presses, it it makes it a whole lot easier for you to be able to gain time and be able to hold someone off with it. So Alex Rossi just, oh my gosh, it was it wasn't even close though. You got a feel for Simon Pagino. <laughs> he didn't even get one corner. He got a straightaway, and that's about it.
1: Yeah, he did. Rossi led 71 of 85 laps, and yeah. Tom, Simon Pagino... <laughs> got cleaned out after (laughs) one-tenth of one lap.
2: Graham Ray-hauled him. Uh, Yeah, that was... um, He got hashtag Rayhauled, And, and, you know, I know Graham felt bad about that. It obviously wasn't a a purposeful thing. He just went way harder into the corner, I think, than what he thought he was doing. And it it was a shame for Simon. But I don't quite see this whole... Uh, Yes, Alex Rossi, once they threw the green, Alex Rossi was gone and and nobody could really stay with him. But I would submit that if his teammates, at least Michael Andretti and maybe even Zach Veach, could have qualified well, I think those cars were at least close to being as fast as Rossi's but, of course, Rossi had basically open air from the almost the drop of the green where those guys had to come from deep in the field and give credit to both of them because they both passed a ton of cars. And how about Zach Veach finishing fourth in his third IndyCar start as a full-time racer in the series with Andretti Autosport? As far as I'm concerned, what Zach Veach accomplished in that race was really almost every bit as good and as worthy of attention as Alex Rossi's domination of it. Sure. Cisco? Was this the best we've
3: seen Marco in a very long time? It was. Yeah, by, by the yeah. way, yeah.
2: Tom, did you say Michael Andretti?
1: Did. To start I, off? did I say
2: Michael? I'm I sorry. I, thought it. I, I,
1: thought I, 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 I have Marco in my head. I don't know why I said that. Michael was the one that was driving when you were a kid.
2: Well, Mario was driving when I was a kid. Michael hadn't even started yet. Uh if you want to be technical about it. But yes, okay, Marco Andretti. I mean, either of the either <laughs> either of those two cars, the point being, I think we're had at least close to the speed of, of Rossi's. Andretti Autosport is putting a great product on the track right now. And I think yeah, everybody kind of kind of laughed when Andretti swapped uh, basically swapped numbers this year, but the way he's running, there may be something to that because uh he's he's got some speed in the car, and I I like seeing that. Both of those guys did a great job, and I think both deserve some props. But and you're right about the push to pass. I just think you know it was interesting that Power had almost double the number of push to passes when uh you know when that the the end of that race uh started and once he got down to even basically rossi made him use them and then you know rossi ended up with the advantage um i i've never been a fan of a push to pass button to begin with because i think if you've got a push to pass in order to pass basically what that says is my car's not as good as yours but i got a button it's kind of like the easy button that steve has um. except not nearly as much fun.
1: Yep, not nearly as much fun. We're, we're going to hear from that easy button, I'm sure, at some <laughs> point. <was> <laughs> yes, yeah, there it is. <laughs> He's teasing us. He's already teasing us with it. Cisco, I want to go back to you now, because Alex Rossi has three, as of Sunday, career wins in an IndyCar. He won the 2016 Indianapolis 500, which, oh, by the way, happened to be the 100th running. He won at Watkins I was Glen, at. one of the most historic road courses in all of the United States. And he won, on Sunday at Long Beach, the longest-running and most historic street course in America. Are you impressed by this guy yet?
3: I've always been impressed by Alex Rossi. Okay, the fact let me, that rephr- he was let able me to rephrase that. From...
1: How impressive is it that he's been able to win at... Arguably, the three biggest tracks in IndyCar racing for his first three career wins,
3: and they've come in such different ways as well. I mean, the first race he crossed the line doing about eighty miles an hour and on fumes, but won that race. That was all. That was you know a perfect call by the team as well as Rossi doing what has never been done. You don't go that far on fuel at Indy. You just don't. And they broke the laws of physics for that one. And then Rossi being able to just be, I believe it was, got to the race. It was pretty, you know, I say, oh, it was a normal win. It, he still ended up winning the race. It wasn't like earth shattering, but he was fast. And then this race where he just, you know, drove faster than anyone thought that car could was capable of racing. So... He's been in three different situations, you know, coming from mid-pack and having a good car but having to strategize. He's come from mid-pack and been able to pass his way and win the race. And he's now come from, the, from what was basically the front. And, no, it was the front because he started on pole and basically say. drive away from everybody.
1: Tom, you win at Indy. You win the Long Beach Grand Prix. You win at Watkins Glen. That's virtually a career right there. Alex Rossi is just getting started.
2: How good can this kid be? Well, I mean, I don't know if I'd go all that far with me. Indy, yes, Indy is a career in itself. Watkins Glen has a storied history that goes back decades. I don't know that I consider Long Beach one of the... It's the longest-running open-wheel race in
1: America outside of the Indianapolis Five
2: Hundred period. Yeah, I mean, you know, okay, I guess. To to answer your second question, how good can he be? I think we're seeing it. I mean, I think we're watching him mature into a championship contender and I I've always believed the kid had talent. I'm certainly not alone. Um I think Alex Rossi if he stays in IndyCar, for you know a number of years could rewrite some records i think he's that good um you know <laughs> give credit to the team because you know as we said andretti's putting out a good product ryan hunter didn't have a spectacular day but it wasn't because there wasn't speed in the car you know he was just uh in some traffic and in wrong places at wrong times but he you know he certainly i think had the speed to contend at least for a top five spot you know, I, I feel like right now what we're seeing is a plethora of young talent in this series like we haven't seen in a long, long time. And to be very honest with you, Cisco, I think right now, if you look at this, we've got five teams represented in the top five in points. That's not That's not five teams like three Penske or three it's five different organizations in the top five in points that says a lot after three races in IndyCar we haven't seen that in a long time
3: yeah considering you know it it used to be the days of Ganassi versus Penske versus Andretti and now we've got the other two teams up here as well and you know it's it's awesome to see in this series and I've felt for a while now that you know, considering the considering they kinda know each other a little bit now when Fernando Alonso's ready to uh put the wheel aside,
2: why not put Alex Rossi in that car? No, don't take him out of IndyCar, leave him where he is. Let F1 get some other stooge to race that car. I, I Speaking think, of, Jacob. Well, let's not go there yet. Hang on, because first of all, nobody's said even mentioned Ed Jones. Can we give Ed Jones a little bit of a... Ed
1: Jones, the Dubai-based Englishman, does get some props. He ended up yes. on the podium in that sure race. Sure did.
2: Drove a good race. For Ganassi. Tell you his what.
1: First, his first podium in the... Ganassi ten car did yeah. a good
2: job. Veach was all over him at the end, and Ed Jones wasn't budging. So you know, that was Ed a, Jones a great finished
1: race. on the podium in a Dale Coin car at Indianapolis last year. I knew he had talent. He just needed a car truly capable of showing it, and I think Chip has given him that. Well, I was
2: going to say a little bit easier, I would argue, in the sense of just you know from a driving standpoint to finish on the podium at Indy than it is to um, the to podium at. at, at uh, a race like Long Beach. But, uh, you know, again, either way, he definitely showed he belongs. This is going to be a fun season in IndyCar.
1: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And when we come back from this break, we are going to debate, well, the guy who stirred up a lot of controversy may or may not have won at St. Pete and went on a rant after Sunday's Grand Prix of Long Beach. And then we're going to talk about the most exciting open-wheel race of the weekend. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, the second half after this on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network, also live on Spreaker.
0: For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ag Council.
4: Hi, I'm Modified Driver Matt Hirschman. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on the Performance Motorsports Network.
1: We're back you're listening to motorsports madness we're starting the second half of the program and you're listening live on spreaker and on pmn the performance motorsports network jacob sealman tom baker cisco scaramuza dr dirt steve ovens joining you normally we would go to the dirt track world right now but considering there wasn't Well, much dirt track racing over the weekend, and there was lots of excitement in the open wheel world. We're going to kind of push this along for a little while, and Steve, I promise I'm not going to leave you in the corner too long. We will talk a little dirt before the end of this show. Right now, though, we're going to go back, Cisco, and talk about the greatest rant in the weekend that was Long Beach because, well, Tom and I are just going to disagree on this description. The pass that wasn't a pass, that should have never been considered a pass, but some people thought was a pass and got taken away. Sebastian Bourdais impressed people, did not impress me, and then, well, went off on a few people. This was just bad. It was just bad. I don't know how else to describe it.
3: Seb Seb should have had like a Snickers bar after the race or something like that because he was not himself. Let me tell you, <laughs> he was he was very. Uh, uh, uh. Everyone doesn't like me, and I'm the best driver in the series. Everyone else doesn't know how to drive, and I know what's best. And the officials are out to get us, and everything's terrible. Wah, 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 wah.
1: He sounded like Kyle Busch, honestly. <laughs> he, he kind of did. <laughs> All right, here's the deal. And this is all I'm going to say about this. And it's going to spark a big argument. And Tom's going to disagree with me. But I don't care. Sebastian Bourdais used the pit exit lane to make a pass. The pit exit lane is not, has never been, and will never be part of the racetrack. You do not make a pass on not the racetrack. You make a pass on the racetrack. Not on the pit exit lane. The penalty was the right call. I'm sorry that Sebastian had to drop back a couple seconds to give the position back. He never should have got it in the first place.
2: Okay. Are you done? Yes. Okay. So I guess you're passing to me. I'm looking right now. I wish we had video here so I could show clear evidence to support my position. I'm looking at the pass, and I freeze-framed it right where he got as far over the blue line as he went. In other words, his furthest point to the line. He had less than half his car across that line for about a second, maybe two, before he passed two cars when he cut back in and then went on to pass a third car in the next corner. My argument with this isn't that the blue line represents pit road or whatever, pit off, pit exit, whatever you want to call it. My argument is that he was going straight, number one. At no point did that blue line turn or become a pit road, he only crossed the line by about half his car. Now, you can say, well, a rule's a rule. Here's my deal. First of all, Long, <laughs> Long Beach is not one of the tracks on the IndyCar circuit where passing is easy to do. It's basically a track where it's doggone hard to pass anywhere. And you can barely run side-by-side side two wide, let alone try three. If you're going to be that nitpicky about somebody making a pass, then what you're doing is basically detracting from the show. Because that was, the, number one, Pit Road, there was nobody else in question. He put nobody else at jeopardy. He To me, it was a great racing move, and the fact that they penalized him for it, as far as I'm concerned, is just IndyCar overmanaging and being way too picky. Now, having said that, if you're going to then later in the race, call, or after the race, call other drivers idiots because, well, Jordan King wrecked you, and then later on, apparently, Mateus Laced. Got into uh, Sebastian somehow as well. I didn't see that. Can't comment on it. Um, You probably shouldn't be making three wide moves and then cutting back in front of traffic because you could have crashed about four cars. Um, If you're going to drive like a nut, then (laughs) you probably shouldn't call others idiots who do the same thing you did. So that's kind of the way I feel about it. I think Sebastian really needs to go back and decide whether he was an idiot or not. And if, if he thinks that his move was okay, then, you know, it's a little hard for him to be critical of Jordan King because in both situations, it was a driver cutting in front of another driver. And when Jordan made the corner and dove underneath Sebastian, Sebastian was was coming from one groove to another the argument is it was his line because he was apexing the corner, but Jordan King was going for the same piece of real estate, which makes this, to me, Cisco, a racing deal. So, you know, with Laced and King being rookies who are both trying to drive fairly aggressively to make a statement, you know, I, I sort of see both sides, but I just I think the penalty for Bourdais was egregious by indy car it, it was it just wasn't he didn't go all the way over in the groove he barely got half the car there if even half and it was a heck of a racing move for him to have to slow down and give the position back um you know at least what they ought to do is do a 10 second penalty like f1 does and you know let him lose it at the end of the race or something i just think that was ridiculous
3: well, agree to disagree, I guess, because I, I, for one, don't like the, you know, if you have a line, you cannot cross that
1: line. I'm I'm of that mindset, but that well, just wait, comes so that one. It's, are, ca- it's called exceeding track limits is what Cisco's getting at. When you exceed well, the track limits, you're wrong. But
2: wait, is that what you're saying, Cisco, or are you saying you, you, are you agreeing with my, are you agreeing with me or are you agreeing with Jacob? Because the way that you just said that,
3: I'd, I'd have to look at it one more time. Did he cross the line or not? Is yes. What yes. I was the line. Half the car. Half the car? For yes. about a second. Yes. You can't put half the car over onto pit lane. Okay. Even if it's pit lane exit. And that, for me, goes back to 2009 American Le Mans
1: series with Corvette and Porsche. But that's just me. I remember that incident. and this. Yeah, I.
3: So I should NASCAR
2: allow drivers to go below the yellow line on, on tracks or no?
3: They do. Oh well, those aren't because they do on about ninety percent of them. limits because NASCAR's not setting that as a track limit. But I am okay with them doing that as long as IndyCar says you can go over there. If IndyCar says you can't go over there, yeah. don't go
1: over there. Ding. Fair enough. Whatever. All right, we're gonna go ahead and simmer down for a couple minutes and take a break. And when we come back after all of that, everybody's gonna take a breath. And we're going to talk about the most exciting race of the weekend. Cisco, can you believe I'm saying that about a Formula One race? Oh, my gosh. No, I I can think you the believe world's I'm ending. agreeing? Holy
2: crap. No, that I cannot believe. <laughs> and you wanted to talk about a driver that crossed some lines.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that when we come back. You're listening to Motorsports Madness live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay with
5: us. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving.
3: Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force.
4: Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network.
1: Cisco, I found your trombones. Are you happy now?
3: Okay. Yes, I'm happy, but you should have played that going into Xfinity. Then it would have been
1: perfect. I know. I'm
2: sorry. I like to mix it up and make it random.
1: Yes. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on Spreaker and PMN, Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, and Steve Ovens as we talk racing and Okay. Joel Sebastianelli would be so proud that I'm getting ready to say this because I talked to him about it earlier today. The best open-wheel race of the weekend. Cisco, Formula One hit a Grand Slam home run in China.
3: And Max Verstappen had a had a home run on Vettel's side pod as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, there was that too. That was a grand slam, is what that was. That was yeah, not he, a home run. That was just a slam. Out. <laughs> it was a grand slam. Again, brake problems, similar to Tyler yeah. Reddick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Chris Bell. I'm telling but, you, it was the brake pedal. But, but Evil brake pedal. Can we get back to the race itself? Because this
1: was an instant classic.
2: It was, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but if this keeps up, I'm going to look more forward to ESPN's half-baked rebroadcast of these F1 races than I'm going to look forward to NASCAR's mile and a halfs this year, because there was some flat-out racing in this one, and Daniel Ricardo was absolutely phenomenal. The the whole thing for me with F1 has always been that this is basically a manufactured series in the sense that it's a series where nobody cares about the drivers. The real, obviously, intention of this series is to highlight the manufacturers. That's what we're doing here. Well, I love it when a race comes by where basically they don't get their wish because I could care less what manufacturers these cars were built by. The fact is what we saw is a driver who came from sixth place at about lap 25, I think, to the lead. And he did so not just because he had a huge tire advantage, which is what a couple of his competitors tried to make it out to be but because he had a big set of fortitude, okay? And that's exactly, Jacob, and, and then Cisco, why Daniel Ricardo won this race. He had the biggest set of you-know-what, um, and he drove like a man to win it.
1: Yes, he did. Now, let's be clear, Cisco. This was a massive effort, not just by Daniel Ricciardo, but by the entire team of Red Bull mechanics over the 24 hours leading up to the race. The turbo failed in that motor, and his team had to replace the engine between third practice and the first round of qualifying. Renault did not have many spare parts ready to go. They didn't have a completed engine ready to roll and put into Ricciardo's car. I mean, this, this one went up in a fireball. It was completely ridiculous. Without them being able to get the motor done before qualifying, he'd have started at the back of the grid on Sunday. He would not have had a prayer at winning that race. And he had a 10-lap window after the restart to go from, like, eighth to the lead. I mean, this was freaking insanity. Insanity. And Ricardo pulled it off to perfection. Pit strategy, and as Tom said, a huge set of cojones won him that race.
2: That's the word I
3: want. <laughs> and Cajones. And keep in mind, you know, we've said for, we've been saying, oh, it's Mercedes series. It's Mercedes series. There was a time before Mercedes owned everything. That Red Bull was the king, and the team showed it today with being able to get him out there fastest and. On the note of Daniel Ricciardo, I have said for a very long time, ever since he put up the fastest lap in top gear amongst all the F1 drivers, Daniel Ricciardo is the best driver in F1, and he was able to show us why there.
2: Well, I don't know if I necessarily agree to that, but I will say that what was really interesting for me about this one is Kimi Raikkonen was up front, you had Vettel up front, you had Ricardo, you had uh, Verstappen, you had Hamilton, you had Bottas. I mean, and really, all all of those drivers were pretty well competitive with each other. I mean, this wasn't a deal, you know. We when Red Bull was king before, nobody could touch them. Then Mercedes be, Mercedes became king; nobody could touch them. Now it appears. You've got Ferrari that's strong. Red Bull's starting to figure it out. You know, you've got Mercedes that's still strong. You've got teams like Toro Rosso who are capable at least at certain tracks of, of showing us top five. You know, I mean, McLaren is better. I mean, this there's going to be some stiff competition for the championship in F1 before this is done. This is not a Lewis Hamilton series at least not this year, for one year at least, this is going to be a three-to-four driver horse race for the series championship, I believe. And, you know, I think it's going to be fun. I hope it keeps up because, honestly, Jacob, F1 has desperately needed this for a long, long time. A group of drivers, more than two, that can compete on a weekly basis for a win, and you need the aggressiveness. Now, I know Verstappen, he kind of verstepped stepped on his Verstappen a, a time or two. Uh, but look, when he figures out where his limit is, Cisco, Max Verstappen is going to win a, a large number of races here.
3: Yeah, he just needs to find where that limit is. And I'd amend your point to only two drivers, two drivers who aren't on the same team. Because I'm okay if it's like Mika Hakkinen versus Michael Schumacher. I'm I'm okay with that dogfight because that was fantastic. No,
2: it was fantastic, yes. and And you can go back years with rival team drivers or whatever. But I want... A number of drivers who are capable of winning from week to week so we don't actually know which driver is going to walk away or which dri- which two drivers are going to walk away i love this this is re- it really refreshing this season to to see that there is an opportunity and i've been saying for a while that if red bull would just get their act together and and stop shooting themselves in the foot that you know, this this team had a chance to run for wins. And, you know, good pit strategy the other day certainly helped. But, you know, again, they've got two very talented young drivers. And, you know, there is, there is some good talent in this series. And I think there's more behind it, too. There are some drivers in some of the, um, you know, lower formula series that still have yet to come up to F1 that I think are going to be as good or better than uh, some of the guys in F1 are right now. So... You know, Jacob, I think we've, we've got the potential at least here. I just hope it keeps up.
1: Oh, I think it's going to keep up because Cisco Lewis Hamilton made a very blunt comment after Sunday's Chinese Grand Prix. Mercedes can no longer claim to be the team to beat in Formula One. This is a true statement. The last four years, Mercedes has won at least two of the opening three races, This year, we're three races in. They have nothing. Zero. And Lewis Hamilton is nowhere close to the top. This right here is everything we've been asking for for about three years now.
3: And while in the driver points, Lewis is still a factor. He is second. He's nine points off Vettel, who is currently the points leader right now. But that that adds another, you know... Addition into this whole into this whole championship battle, and the fact that you know the points are being dominated by someone who's winning every single week. So this is another thing to where suddenly you know finishing second or third, keeping yourself up in the point standings, actually matters in F one. So yay for that. Also yay, Stroll finished ahead of Sergey again. I mean, <laughs> well, saying it until it stops happening.
2: Well, and, and and let's be clear here that Vettel won the first couple races, but he he didn't dominate the last race he won. And it's only nine points. Too. Right. He he just won it. I mean, you know, again, there's a there's a parody here that that we haven't seen in a while, at least to the point where y- you don't really know going from round to round who the dominant driver, or two dominant drivers is gonna be because there are three, maybe even four teams that um, have a chance to at least factor into the podium and that's that's really nice and actually Haas F1 Haas F1 is is I think drawing closer I don't know that I see them winning a race this year but I certainly see them getting better and maybe by 19 having an opportunity
1: well, they've done a lot of work with Ferrari during the off season, and yep. We watched Ferrari dominate the first two races. I do believe they're getting closer, and I believe that a Haas driver will stand on the podium before we get done with the Monaco Grand Prix in May. I'll go ahead and make that bold prediction, Cisco. Right now, the American team is on the rise. Can you only imagine if Alex Rossi had uh, been able to convert his – time in the marusha f1 that ill-fated machine into a potential ride with haas i mean we see what he's doing in indycar don't we
3: what could have been i mean he would have been the first american driver since Scott Speed, i think Uh... (laughs) because i'm not gonna put speed on that list i'm sorry scott but
2: no (laughs) no scott Scott would fall under steve's dumpster fire category no offense scott but that was a disaster. All right, uh, Jacob.
3: All right, uh, Santino Ferrucci. Yeah, I'll go with that. Sure. Yes. <laughs> or if not, does Mar- Mario counts? Right.
1: Well, no. I you, you you missed the point there, Cisco. You misread my chat. Santino Ferrucci is going to be the American that oh, ends up with yeah F one. Yeah, that's I yes.
2: Yeah. I I think that's um I I think that's definitely the, the case. He is a very talented young racer. And there are, like I said, there are a number of those uh, in, the, in the lower formula series right now. I mean, F1, if it, if it markets itself properly and it does what it should do as a body, then it's going to have enough young talent, just like I'm saying about IndyCar, to really make it fun to watch for years to come if they don't screw it up.
1: If they don't we screw just, it up. We just
3: need to run the Monza Oval and then the Americans can win an F1 race. Right?
2: Really? Well, <laughs> but, but let me say this too, oh, by the way, since we're talking F1, let me get this in. I was probably the worst on this show about ESPN's coverage and what they were going to do and how they were going to do this. I've watched the last two and I have to admit it doesn't suck. It's not nearly as entertaining and enjoyable as... You know what it was when uh, NBC Sports had it, yeah. but you know it doesn't suck. It's very watchable, and of course it helps Cisco that the racing has been so uh, so entertaining.
1: Oh, oh, oh! By right. the way, while you're talking about the ESPN coverage, shout out Cisco to Mothers Polish yes. for stepping up for the rest of the year to give everyone in the United States commercial-free F1. Well, coverage. it's not
2: here's it's not really commercial-free. It, it's there are commercials. In there's there, no ad break. There's no ad break. Yeah, basically. But it's yes, just absolutely. A, yeah.
3: Mothers, thank you for stepping on board that. And as I pointed out to Jacob earlier in the week, Lee Diffie's I mean, you can't back him up. He can even call short course truck dirt racing. He's done it before on speed. There's video proof.
2: Lee can call anything and
3: it'll be amazing.
2: Lee's a master. And and just to explain the ESPN deal, it's not commercial free. But what they're doing is when they take a commercial because it's not because of the way they're doing the feed, you don't miss any of the race. It's at least in the refeed. I don't know how they're doing the live feed. I haven't seen the live feed, but the re-air, The live the, feed is commercial free. Yeah, they, they, they put commercials in the re-air, but but you don't miss any of the race itself. They pause it, Steve. Lee Diffie could make the downhill boxcar race at Oswego. Sounding <laughs> <interesting>. <laughs> He's just
4: that kind of guy. Hey, hey, wow, hey, horrible.
2: wait. I'm going to call the Zucchini 600 in the beginning of May here. We'll talk about that on the Thursday show coming up. And, and I believe Lee Diffie could actually make the Zucchini 600 entertaining. In fact, I think Le- uh, Lee Diffie could call the phone book and it would be entertaining. Yes.
1: Yes. And before we completely lose this show, God bless you, Lee Diffie. We love you. And we're looking forward to having Lee, I believe, back on the call this weekend for the IndyCar Grand Prix Isn't of Barber this weekend. We're going to take a break when we come back. We are finally going to talk dirt. Steve Ovens is going to be happy, and life is going to roll on. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on Spreaker and PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
5: Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, Stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304 725 8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304
2: 725 8444. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety.
0: Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Casa de chop Stephen Evans.
1: Hey, we're back on the madness, live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Dr. Dirt, Steve Evans, and Cisco Scaramuza. As we talk racing and get a little slide ways at the moment, steve Mother Nature, much like she did not like Bristol, Tennessee over the weekend, has been really, really mean to dirt track fans for most of the year. The World of Outlaws got bit by the rain bug two more times over the weekend. But, but, we did get one big dirt track race in over the weekend for the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series, and, sorry Tom, I'm going to be that guy and say it, the old guy won! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well he's 54 he's, i mean i know he's close in age to you he's though, got a,
2: a lot time. of hair for 54 tom well he's got well that's true i mean i have no hair <laughs> for 50 but sorry right. well
4: yeah jake he's got a I lot mean, more money your, than me too to to your point uh and tom he can also ride uh shirtless in a topless convertible car, <laughs> and and make that look pretty good too. Uh, we will just leave that there. Um, Jacob, to your point about the weather, uh, it I cannot remember a season in recent memory where we have lost this many shows to Mother Nature. And and what's crazy about it is, is not only have we lost some shows as the as the world of outlaws now makes their way back to the Midwest, and to the East Coast, we were losing shows on the West Coast where you would expect the weather would be a little bit better. I know, Um, right? I mean, I'm not super shocked. You know, it it is April uh, in this part of the country, so you never really know what you're going to get. There's a lot of tracks here in the Northeast that have been getting hit hard with the weather, which calls into question why we even try and race in April. But that's another discussion for another night. Back to Scott Bloomquist. As I try and make this circle all the way back around. Scott Bloomquist finally gave, like I've been wanting Scott Bloomquist to show me something here cuz like ha- I'll, hang, I'll, hang on a
1: minute. Back up back up back up back up. You've been wanting Scott Bloomquist to do well? Uh, that's like 1% of dirt track fans in America.
4: Well, yeah, but Jacob, look at uh, look at his recent performance. He has not been the Bloomquist that we that, you know, most fans fans don't know and and love.
2: (laughs) No one loathe. Exactly, Jacob. That's true.
4: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and so there's a couple of guys here. Obviously, Bloomquist was the dominant car right off the truck. Right. I mean, I don't know, Tom, that they did anything to change on that car most of the night because it was dynamite right off the truck. Um He led this race lap, you know, flag to flag. And, but Jacob, you know, as much as we give credit to Bloomquist for picking up the win, I want to give a tip of my cap to Don O'Neill and Tim McCready, two other guys who have really needed good runs, probably McCready more than Don O'Neill. I mean, it was like, where did Tim McCready go? Where did the guy go that was competing for the championship last year? They have just gotten off to a rotten start to their season. So for all three of those guys, I, I think your podium finishers got
1: runs they very much needed. I agree with that. Now, for Scott Bloomquist, he becomes the seventh different Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series winner of the year. He's 54. He's a Hall of Famer. But the track that he won at is not necessarily known to be over the years a Scott Blomquist track. I don't remember over the years Scott dominating Atomic Speedway in Ohio. It's not one where he's won seven or eight or nine different times, like, say, a race of the Pittsburgher stature or some of the big races that he's won over his career. Steve, this is one that has kind of flown under the radar. So for me, I guess, in a way, it was kind of cool to see Scott go to a track where he's not necessarily known for success and, uh, basically wax the floor with him he
4: did now there was a moment late in this race where you know lap traffic kind of started playing a little bit of a factor that allowed O'Neill and McCready to, to reel him in to to at least try and make a race of this but uh in, in the end I mean Bloomquist was just not going to be denied uh and, and I think that you know for for Bloomquist, this could be what that team needs to kind of get the ship righted a little bit here. I mean, he has not had a, a a performance yet this season that we expected. I mean, he's just, he's been a little bit off. And I think that maybe a night like this, where they just come out, they were fast time in their group. They, you know, they came out and won the heat race. They, they led flag to flag in the feature race. I mean, this is, this is almost, I mean, he's been around long enough, Jacob. I think I can say this. This was almost vintage Bloomquist. Yeah, Uh I agree. Th- that
2: we saw, Tom. I mean, at, I think that's what we really saw this weekend. He did, by the way, win the Buckeye Nationals in 2016 at Atomic Speedway. So he at least has one other big career winner.
1: I did remember that. It's just like I said, it's not a track where Scott is known far and wide for his success there, like he is at other tracks, well, I guess was the point I was enough. trying to make. Yeah. Well, now, when you've
2: won over 500 races, I guess you're entitled yeah, to a Fair.
4: <laughs> uh, one other point I wanted to make here on this race, Jacob, um, was if if reading down through the finish order, you come across the guy that finished in 19th. and And for a lot of late model fans, they've probably not heard of this guy. But I want to give a shout out to Michael Mareska, a graduate of the Northeast Dirt Modified. Z and Mike
1: Mareska.
4: Yeah, yep. Mike Mareska, all the way from the great state of New York, traveled out to Atomic this weekend. They had to take a provisional to get into the race, but uh, once he got in the race, he was able to move up from 26th up to 19th uh, in the final finishing order. Finished ahead of guys such as, you may have heard these names before, Earl Pearson Jr., Daryl Lanigan, Dave Hess Jr., Tyler Carpenter. uh, Some pretty good names in the late model ranks. So uh, a nice run there for Michael Moreska, who's been running a little bit of everything this year. Jacob, I think you may remember seeing him at the Chili Bowl
6: this year for the first time. As a
1: matter of fact, yes, he uh, was at the Chili Bowl in Tulsa back in january now steve i want to ask you this because as we look at the championship standings for the lucas oil late model dirt series as of now it's tight up at the top jonathan davenport and kid rocket josh richards are separated by a whopping 15 points as it sits right now, Brandon Shepard, while he is third in points, 40 back of Davenport for the lead, we know he's going to drop off and continue the Pursuit of the World of Outlaws Craftsman Late Model Series Championship. If that series can ever get some races in that don't fall to Mother Nature, the I 100 over the weekend was washed out both days at, uh, out in the Midwest due to weather, which was not good because I love the Illini every year. It's a great race. But you look at the what, what, in essence, will be the top four series regulars right now, separated by 135 points, back to Scott Blomquist. It is tight at the top, really early. That makes me excited. What doesn't make me excited until he decided to drive through the field and finish fifth like, well, he does, I was nervous when I realized, oh, Superman had to take a provisional to get in this race and then oh Jonathan Davenport drives from 23rd to 5th
4: <laughs> it, it's kind of it's kind of like you you can almost relate it to Kevin Harvick's weekend where you know you expect them to be up front they had to start in the back and at the end of the day when when it's time to you know call the cows home here comes Jonathan Davenport up into the top 5 and like you, Jacob, I was pretty nervous for those guys because they did not qualify their way into the field, had to take a provisional, and that is not going to get the job done over the course of this season when you're trying to compete for the championship here with Josh Richards. Ask Tim McCready, ask Scott Bloomquist, how that went last year. Uh, you've got to be on top of the game every single time you go out on the racetrack.
1: Yes, you do. Now... Before we go to break, even though we did not get a World of Outlaws Craftsman Sprint Car Series race in over the weekend because of Mother Nature, Steve-O, we did have some breaking news from Bristol Motor Speedway. Can can, Can I say it? Can I get excited? Go for it. Chase Briscoe and Christopher Bell racing as teammates under the CBR banner against the Outlaws at Pevely, Missouri, in the Spring Classic Saturday night. Hype! Uh, check,
4: please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is going to be phenomenal. And, and you know what? I, I think that I'm going to say for some of the dirt fans that are, that are loyal dirt fans that maybe don't uh, get into the NASCAR stuff as much, They may not know as much about Chase Briscoe as they would a Christopher Bell. And I think this is going to be a great opportunity for them to see just what Chase Briscoe can do uh, behind the wheel of a dirt
1: car. Now, Tom, I want to add to this. This weekend will mark Chase Briscoe Racing's first ever, first ever, winged 410 sprint car race. And you're going against the outlaws in one of their most prestigious races of the season and yet briscoe believes christopher bell can go win in cbr's outlaw debut are you buying it
2: is his name christopher bell i'll take that as a yes that's a yes now can he and will here are two different matters but yes i believe he can win if chases uh 410 stuff is capable of running with tony stewart racing and uh the rest of the teams absolutely i don't see any reason why christopher bell i think chris bell is an amazing dirt track racer who i believe can take a fifth place car and find a way to win with it so if if uh if the car he's running is even close then yes i believe he can go and win
1: Let's remind ourselves, also, Steve, that Christopher Bell has a prior World of Outlaws Craftsman Sprint Car Series win at Federated Auto Parts Raceway at I-55 a couple years back, driving for of all people his former midget owner, Keith Coons. Ah, now was that an Ironman race, Jacob? I wanna say it was the Spring Classic, as a matter. I don't uh, okay. think it was the Ironman.
4: Gotcha. I feel like
1: I would remember if it were the Iron Man. But you know what? Now that you've said that, (laughs) you're going to make me double check during the break just to make absolutely sure. So that means I'm going to hit the button and we're going to take a break right now. I'll confirm that little detail. And we'll be back with our lightning round right after this. You're listening to Motorsports Madness. We are live on Spreaker and on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
5: How to be a great dad in 15 seconds.
1: Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. We are back on PMN and on Spreaker, and I did double-check my facts during the break. In fact, Steve, here you go. I'll add to it. Christopher Bell, believe it or not, is actually the defending winner of the Spring Classic at Federated Auto Parts Raceway at I-55. He won it. In 2015, how is he the defending winner, you ask? Well, Steve, the last two Spring Classics at I-55, they've been washed out.
4: Ha! <laughs> <laughs> that's the last thing we need to
2: hear right now. so wait the last race was in 2015 the
1: last may the last may race or spring race whatever you want to call it in peevely was 2015 yes so
2: he's been the defending champion for like a thousand days yeah. <laughs> Just about. it's a long time to be defending
1: it is a long yeah. time to be defending but christopher bell is still defending so we will pray 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 that we get some racing in this weekend. The Outlaws actually have a three-race weekend on tap because their event at Tri-State Speedway in Hobstad, Indiana, one of my favorite racetracks in this country, Steve, that was scheduled for Saturday night this past weekend, rained out and rescheduled to, well, this coming Sunday night, which Chase Briscoe, I believe, is also going to be running, just to throw that out there. So this is good.
4: No, it, it is. And I think they're going to pack that place to the gills because uh, I, you know, in meeting a lot of people from the Midwest, uh, as I have with, you know, how popular the, the dirt form of racing has been. there are a lot of people that this track is their favorite track and you bring in the world of outlaws. I mean, good night, man. That is going to be an excellent show. I hope they pack the place.
1: I believe that they will. Now, we go into our lightning round, and normally this kind of a bullet would be saved for Thursday nights on our short track-based show, The Stock Car Show, but I'm so completely in awe and shocked by it that I'm going to mention it here for this lightning round. The upcoming Twin 100s, Cisco Scaramuza for the NASCAR K&N Pro Series West at Tucson Speedway in Arizona are going to feature a driver who we have not seen in the NASCAR K&N Pro Series West in a long time. He is on the NASCAR Hall of Fame nomination list. (laughs) I I can't believe I'm saying is this. It who it, uh, he is, it is 90 years old, and Herschel McGriff is making a oh, comeback. That's
3: awesome. That's awesome. Is he doing it so he can so he can make it in the Hall of Fame this year? Because he should just make <laughs> it in just down to being 90 and running in a race like this. Oh Hershel my goodness, McGriff.
1: Tom, the, the zero four
2: car. Awesome. Yes, the zero four car, Herschel McGriff. Wow. Okay, I thought you were going to say Michael Walton. I didn't realize Chevrolet still made the Bel Air.
3: (laughs) (laughs)
6: Breaking,
2: breaking,
4: Breaking news, Jacob. We have a sponsor announcement. One a Day has signed on
1: as title sponsor
4: for, for that race, <laughs> for that machine this
2: tall. <laughs> uh, wow.
1: Oh, by the way, it's not going to be a junk car either that Herschel's driving for this race. He's only driving, Cisco, for the best team in the series that's won the last three championships. Bill McAnally himself is that's giving awesome. Herschel McGriff his 90th birthday present. And, if he wins, can we uh, can we have him on the show? Is that possible? Oh, my gosh. I'll make it possible. I, I don't care. Wow. I'll find a way.
2: I think we should have him on before the race. I think that would be a, an excellent um, pre-show guest, He's going, guest. By
1: the way, Tom, you mentioned it. He is going to drive the iconic number 04 and sponsor support is going to be from South Point Hotel and Casino. The Gone family is oh, getting course. behind this as well. Of course. <laughs> Dur- and, and, oh, by the way, during the 2001 season when Brendan Gone won the championship, Herschel was a teammate to Brendan under Bill McAnally Racing, if oh, you remember my. back that far.
2: All of it comes full circle. Well, Bobby Labonte running European Series, now Herschel McGriff running K&M West. Let's see. When's Sterling Marlin coming back? Yeah, yeah. maybe we could get Dave Marcus a out of retirement and run some wingtips. Yeah, oh. so
1: in this lightning round, wow. since it was announced last week and we didn't really get a chance to talk about it all that much, Cisco, what do you think about Bobby Labonte not only running for the NASCAR Wheel and Euro Series title but doing so and debuting over the weekend in a car reminiscent of the Interstate Batteries Toyota I that he drove that. for JGR? Was- How cool was that? And
3: it was like a modern take, too, because, you know, the Eurocars aren't laid out in the same sort of way. Like, they're sort of kind of similar, too, but they have, you know, they actually have a spoiler and stuff like this. So it's a little bit different of a car, and they had a little bit different of a scheme. It was kind of like a... uh, pool ball-esque thing to where, like, part of the car was black, but it was, like, diagonal, but it was it was pretty cool, and I, I didn't notice it for, like, immediately, and I had to double-take it because I saw the red number, and it wasn't quite JGR's font, but I don't
1: think that... I think that's because they can't use JGR's font. Correct. But... That, that font is copyrighted to JGR or trademarked or something.
3: You see, they... Bobby, just call up Joe. Just call up Joe and just say, hey, can I use it? It's, what, what are they going to do?
1: Come on. Kyle isn't attracted to the number that much. Exactly. I know. Make <laughs> it happen. Tom, I think it's just cool. He's won a cup championship. He's won what was then a Bush Series championship. Now he's trying to win a European Series championship and I believe become the first driver in NASCAR history to win titles under three different sanctions.
2: I think. Well, I I think it's cool, too. I don't know if it's as cool as Herschel McGriff coming out of retirement at 90, but it's definitely cool. And, uh, you know, it's different. I mean, it's good for the series, I think, to have a name like Bobby Labonte because I think he will be able to probably do things from a marketing standpoint for that series and draw some attention to it, that it probably doesn't really have here in America. And it should, Um, you know, and I, I, so from that standpoint, I think it's a good thing. As long as we don't suddenly get a flood of uh, retired cup racers going and running it, I think it'll be a good thing.
1: Fair, fair, very fair. Now we head to Richmond raceway Friday night, the NASCAR Xfinity series, Cisco will be running in their second Dash for Cash race. I'm talking about the Dash for Cash because despite the fact that he won $100,000 and paid off all his debt, Ryan Priest isn't going to be in the race. Somebody drop the ball seriously on this one. Let's go around the table and you can start, Cisco. Are you disappointed that Ryan's not going to be in this race Friday night? Because doggone it, I want to see him win some more money.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about it earlier. He should have a full time. He should be in that car. That should be his cars, but it's not. And also, kind of to that point, do, do do we know who's in the dash for cash still? Or are they going to change it again during the week on us <laughs> Just because.
1: <laughs> Tom,
2: bummed. Yeah, I'm bummed. I mean, but it's just the way it was planned. I mean, I hate it for Ryan, but you know, it's you know. It isn't like we didn't know before the season started. It's just, you know, this is the way they decided to schedule the the, the deal for him. So,
1: yeah,
4: um, Steve-O, I mean, the kid just won a hundred grand. That's good enough to put him in the car, isn't it? Sheesh.
1: It
2: should be. Yeah, except that Noah Gregson's already got the ride.
1: Oh, I wanted to be the one to say it. So oh, that leads sorry. me to my next lightning round bullet. What do you think Noah's going to do Friday night in the JGR car for his first opportunity in the Xfinity Series, Cisco? Uh,
3: he's, you know what, because it's Richmond. I hate to say it, but I feel like he's going to run really well and then end up in a wreck somehow. Because that's just apparently how all Xfinity Series debuts have to go now. Tom?
2: I, I don't expect him to win. Um, Oh, heck no. I think he'll do all right. I mean, it's, you know, I feel like Noah is still learning how to run long distance races. Um, This isn't a whole lot different necessarily from a truck race, but it kind of is. The, uh, the racing is different. I don't know. I, I, I think he'll do, he'll do fine. I mean, the car's capable of winning as we know. Um, I think he'll be competitive, but I don't expect him to win first time out. Steve-O. He's going to knock three quarters of the fenders
4: off the car. He's going to roll it down pit road. The Jack man's going to say after the race, Hey, there's a fender straight. We ain't got to fix that. And his crew chief's going to come over and kick the snot out of that fender. There's not going to be a straight quarter panel left, guys. It's a short track race. He's going he's gonna to go out there and, and uh, get edumacated, as they say.
1: Yeah, and Noah is very aggressive in the truck series already, and I hate to be uh, another one who doesn't bear much faith, but I do think Noah's about to get schooled because, quite frankly, I don't think he's ready to be in this 18 car in the Xfinity series. I think he still needs some time to mature in the truck series, and I think he is going to get knocked around a bunch and have a fairly rude awakening Friday night. I, I'm calling him for a spin by get, by way of getting knocked around, Steve, for at least one of the cautions Friday night.
4: Uh, do we know if Wayne Otten has any
2: daughters that are dating? Uh, <laughs> I just want to ask. I just want to ask. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what we're referencing, just go look, look it up. up
1: Noah Gregson and Lindsey Vaughn if yeah. you really want to. Uh,
2: know. And, and oh, by the way, can we at least give a nod to another debut that's happening on uh, over the weekend in the Cup Series? I think uh, isn't the number eight coming back,
1: Daniel? hemrick in the eight absolutely that, or uh, yes psyched can daniel hemrick score a top 10 in richmond do we do do, do we have hopes tom can, do we believe that can happen again
2: can it absolutely will it probably
1: not i mean it's a but new... we ex- i think we all
2: expect hemrick
1: to keep the fenders clean because he's a very yes. smart racer yeah
2: yeah i think daniel will will i think daniel will perform well but it's tough to get a top 10 in the cup series at Richmond and I think if he again if he just keeps the fenders and wheels on it and rolls it into the transporter after the race and and you know runs a good top 15 top 20 and shows well I think that sets him up for a nice uh a, a nice continuation of what I know will be a long and and probably championship filled cup career I really believe that
1: all right, final thoughts before we close this show have to do with the guy who won the Food City 500, Kyle Bush now moves into sole possession of 16th all-time on the Cup Series win list with win number 45, bypassing Bill Elliott. But equally as important, he's on a roll. He's got six straight top three finishes and two wins in a row. Tom Sisko, then Steve in that order. On a scale of 1 to 10, if you're the rest of the field, how terrified are you of the run of momentum that Kyle Busch is on?
2: Uh, f- uh, five, because, I mean, look at the run Kevin Harvick was on, and look what's happened to him.
3: Cisco. Six, and to quote Kyle Busch, just imagine if all those second and
1: third place finishes were wins. Yeah, really. Steve. Two. <laughs> really? Wow. I'm going to go the opposite direction of all of you. Steve's just not buying anything. He's just – Steve is the super cynic of this show. He is. Nine. The rest of the field better be freaking terrified about this run of momentum that Kyle Bush is going on. He could easily win – Three or four more races in a row before we're done. We're going to Richmond where he won four straight spring races. We're going to Talladega where he's won in the past. Kansas is coming up where Kyle finally got the monkey off his back. Be afraid, guys. Rowdy is here, and he's not going away anytime soon. And with that, we're taking a checkered flag on this edition of Motorsports Madness. Thanks to Bob Steele, Sue Mason, and all the folks at PMN that help keep us on the air and make this show possible for Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, and Dr. Dirt Steve Ubbins. I'm Jacob Seelman reminding you to keep it off the wall, and we might just see you at the racetrack. Folks, have a safe racing weekend till we meet again.
0: You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.